Are you ready to have an open and honest discussion about sex and spiritual wellness without secrets, censorship, or barriers? This is Unbuckled with your host, Christy Ann Bella. In this program, there are no topics that are off the table, from religion to health, feelings to sexuality. Get ready to hear from some incredible people. And now, here's Christy Ann Bella. Hello and welcome. I am Christiane Bella, your intimacy architect, and we are unbuckling me today. <laughs> My uh, darling husband and incredible uh, partner, king, pet, magic, wizard, uh, <laughs> Dr. Dr. Marcin Bella is, uh, is here to interview me. And uh, in preparation for this, it was funny. He's like, are you going to top from the bottom? <laughs> Do you want to know? The questions are like, have a say in the questions. And I uh, fully surrendered into the moment. Um, or mostly, anyway, I suggested we do a two-part episode of this. So in case <laughs> there are questions. That's not, that, then, that's, that's not. Oh, oh, so you may top from the bottom for, 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 for part, part two. two. But, uh, but right. part but one, I'm, uh, I'm fully surrendering for part one. So <laughs> thank you and welcome, Dr. Marcin Bella. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm taking over. And here, here we go. Yes. Feels it's, interesting. It's his show now. Maybe I'll sit different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Christian Bella. So um, living with you gives me um, an interesting perspective that that no one else has as to who you are because I get to witness different answers to that question, you know, um, which depends on who's asking and, and, and that's pretty normal, but would you be open to um, hearing um, what I say is who you are <clears throat> under perfect circumstances. Okay. <laughs> is, yeah, let's, let's still comfortable. It. Still, still, still not, not, not wanting to, to, to switch. No, no. Um, do we need a safe word? <laughs> <laughs> Pineapple. Pineapple. All right. So, um, who you are to me is uh, is two things that kind of overlap, but but are, but are really se- really separate. You 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 are a healer, as in you answer to suffering, but then you're also a freedom fighter, which is a little bit different. Um, to me. Um, freedom fighter doesn't apply to individual healing. You know, the, the free, freedom fighters are, are are ones to respond to um, <clears throat> to a systemic problem. Um, <clears throat> and you know, not everybody is called to do both. Are you still comfortable? Yeah, yeah, this is yeah, powerful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have a safe word, so, so, so. Um, like I consider myself a healer, mm-hmm. right? Because people have unhealthy relationships with with art, and 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 I feel called to to respond to that. But I I'm not a freedom fighter. I don't I don't fight the system. Um, so 
Um, so if if <clears throat> if you agree that there are these two aspects, uh, then then um, how did each begin? When when the, when, when the, like when, when would you say you first heard the call to be a healer, and when did you first heard the call to be a freedom fighter? And you can uh, pick one. These are um, good, Quayer. <laughs> you went deep, <laughs> like right out the bat. Um, okay, I first off, I'm very flattered by that. I I, I received that like that's like that's really beautiful, and um, I I would have healer. Yes, like I've called myself a healer a lot. Um, freedom fighter. That's really powerful, and and I I'm honored to be standing in that embodiment i i feel like the healer i would say even in my youth like i i wanted to to like mend and repair um i wanted to be like the solve and i think the moment when i really refined it when it wasn't so much about um attempting to heal out of people pleasing or creating safety. And when it really became about holding space for people to, to go through the mucky stuff um, that probably happened the first time somebody stepped into my yoga class that I like recognized as somebody who had experienced sexual abuse trauma. And I was like, wow, like this, I'm not just teaching people poses and, and alignment. I am facilitating uh, this this spiritual and physical and emotional healing. So that was uh, that was back in California when that you were, was back in California when you were teaching yeah. like group yoga classes. Yeah. And how 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 did you know that this person was in need? Um, it was a conversation we had after, but it was something like I felt. So I think, mm. I think I got like validation that my feeling was right on. Um, and yeah, I, as a freedom fighter, I. Can we, uh, can yeah. we actually like, um, um, so, so, so you felt something and then, um, and then what, like who started the conversation? I think. Um, they asked to do like a private session with me. Mm. That was like, that was the start of the, the conversation was wanting to see me outside of, of like these group sessions to do this deeper work right. on, right. on this more sensitive. Um, and they asked. Yeah. So, so you felt something and then. Yeah. So then like probably like the way you conducted that class spoke to them. To that. Already. Yeah. Yeah, but didn't you um, didn't you have premonitions of that um, sooner? Didn't you do um, uh, sort of like the sex education show? Um, uh, you know, helping like ki- kids like back in. Um, oh yeah, in I mean when I was age. when I was in school. Yeah, when I was like in high school, I. Um, yeah, I was the person that people came to for like sex education stuff and how to give a blowjob and like to talk about whatever was happening if they were um, feeling like they might be gay or um, 
just yeah, like like any kind of relationship, sex stuff, masturbating. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely was the person, but I I feel like that that is more probably in line with with what I would consider like the the freedom fighting aspect of it of of being mm-hmm. willing to be a space where anything could be discussed. And uh, as opposed to, I think the healing is more of a spiritual. Um, yeah, that I feel like the healing is more of like a spiritual calling, and the the freedom fighting is more of a humanities calling. Gotcha, gotcha. So, so you know, so 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 these kids who are coming coming to you for advice in school. Um, that's because the system we have mm-hmm. is not taking care of them. It's, right, it's not. Yeah. One, well, um, yeah. Just, just, just this morning, you had this, uh, had this uh, call from 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 a grown up who is still not taken care of. Like mm-hmm. this, this is really, really, you know, really, really, no one is. Um, and okay, so. Uh, so, so, so back to that yoga class. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like your first time, like providing, like support for 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 an abused person, and yeah. how how like did um, did you immediately know what to do, or like you know like how how are I mean I I see you now, in, like you know organized and systematic and experienced but you know like how like how, how, how like what were these first steps like um uh, it was mainly it was mainly gurks um gurmuks the eight the eight human talents i think is the name of the book and it's it goes through the chakra system and our bodies and and so i think it was before i even actually started studying um kundalini yoga i just like i found out who gurmuk was and uh you know she was like a a name that you heard a lot in the california yoga scene um she taught at a a studio in los angeles and so uh the yoga studio that i worked at had her book um and i remember reading that and i remember just like going off of that being like okay so if like if the sexual energy is thrown off. Um, if there's been trauma, then it's the second chakra and then how, you know, what was like relating to that. So, um, you know, the throat was very tied into that. The, the expression, the, the self love was very tied into that, um, a sense of power feeling safe. So then it was like, then I really began to realize how, you know, everything just like your organs, you know, your digestive system affects the way your your heart and your heart affects the, and like everything relates. The chakra system is the same way that everything relates. So if one chakra is off, it, it ripples into the other chakras. And, um, so that became my primary focus was like this idea of like energetic recalibration. Uh, and so, so that was a part of it. And then a lot of it was my own stuff. Like I was doing things like I was like, you know, spending two hours in the bathtub chanting and sloshing water around and, and massaging myself and doing breath work, just like really intuitive um, stuff without, you know, 
any any formal teaching or example. Um, and then I was like, hey, it's working. <laughs> I'm feeling better. I'm feeling less traumatized. And so then I started um, offering it to people. I was like, hey, you know, try this. Um, there's actually a few clients I had that actually like got in my bathtub in bathing suits, like, wow. and, and I have them like slosh <laughs> around and, and do this stuff. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it's ultimately um, there is no there is no healer training. That's that, that's why all these certifications and, and diplomas really, uh, you know, um, they really don't mean anything and. Um, and I say that with with you know quite a few of them on my wall, but you know, but 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 but, but here's the thing: believe it or not, I you know when I first started teaching piano, I um, I I had serious fraud police on my ass because because um, I wasn't I wasn't uh, I didn't go to school for music education. Mm-hmm. And I know that, and I know like that there were these guys who who, who did, you know, and they they took like child child psychology classes, mm-hmm. and you know I didn't have any of that. So, so you know when when I first found myself in the room with a kid, mm-hmm. um, I I realized that like my own body and my own memory is is the only mm-hmm. guide I have, and that in fact. And actually, that at that moment, the fraud police went away because I I, I I realized right away that at that moment it would not have mattered if I spent if I had spent four years preparing to be a right. music teacher. That you know, like the, all that matters is that there is this kid who doesn't know how to play the piano, and there is me, and I know how it's supposed to feel, <clears throat> and I try to convey that to yeah. to that kid and there, there, there's all and that's all there is to it and then the um and then the the <clears throat> the big deepening of that have happened recently when when i went through my injury and and that really brought things to the next level because i actually you know experienced like the far edge of what it means to be doing something wrong mm-hmm the actual physical pain uh, of it and the depression right. of, you know, not, not like being out of the game and, and yeah. all that. And, and, and now I'm really good at what I do, but, you know, but it's not training. It's, right. you know, it's, 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 it's experience and it's, it's cruel like that, but, but the, but the, the most valuable part of my experience that makes me a great teacher is actually, the, the the injury and the pain mm-hmm. um and so um um so before that happened before that yoga class happened you're you know like you were dealing with your own um pain did you have thought like, like did you have thoughts at some point um that there is going to be this conversion um into into making the world a better place <laughs> Um, I mean, I had ideas of, of spiritual grandeur and freedom fighting. Like I remember being a little kid, I was probably in like the second or third grade, maybe we were home from school cause it was Martin Luther King day. And I was sitting on my windowsill and I was listening 
to the radio, which was playing um, speeches of his, and I was just like crying. That's in Brooklyn. That's back, yeah. back in New York. And um, and I had this moment and this vision of myself like on a stage and like talking and and. And it felt very uh, Ava Perone, I think, because I was sitting on my windowsill, you know, and like, and um, and having this like moment of, of yeah, like like being in in a city, and out and like speaking and and just like really overwhelmed with emotion. Um, and so when I started doing my own healing path, I. I don't know that I, I thought about how like it was going to, to come together, but I remember, I, I think it started a lot being like pissed. Like I remember being at um, a female gathering and there was only one person out of like 12 of us, only one person hadn't been sexually assaulted. And I was just pissed. I was just really fucking pissed. I was like disgusted and pissed and and like I kept going back to like why, like why, and it's like because we don't talk about sex because we've created so much shame around sex that sex has become this like distorted power struggle, and and this you know in this like deranged hunger for this power and this sexuality there is abuse there is, and then we don't talk about the abuse which like furthers the the abuse and then. Um, you know, around the time that I was like very new to teaching yoga and like doing uh, any of that stuff. I remember being out to dinner or out to breakfast, actually. I was out to breakfast with my mom and um, and her sister. And her sister was saying how this uncle abused her. And I was like, you know, pissed at my mom. I was like, you, you like left me around this person. Like we used to sleep with this. And she's like, well, I didn't know that he did that. And I was like, and why didn't you tell anyone, you know, and it just like snowballed this whole thing of, um, of, yeah, of being pissed and disgusted that, that this goes on in families, that this happens, that, um, so I still didn't even know like <laughs> how this was going to make any difference to the world, um, in the great scheme of things. I just, I felt very passionately about it not being this way anymore. And, um, and I knew I wanted to feel better. And so I was really just hyper-focused on anything and everything that would help me feel better. And then, uh, and then that became me telling people like, Hey, this is, you know, what I, what I did. And then, um, um, so then when you, when you worked with this first person in mm-hmm. California, did that, um, did that, at that moment already feel like the beginning of, of, of the journey um, or, um, or was it, or did it still feel like a, just like one, one, like one time uh, when, you know, so, so I guess like from that moment on, like when, when did it start, when did it start focusing um, on, or like transitioning into basically like what, what it is now, which is like now it's <clears throat> it's the main calling in your life. Right. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, the universe just kept giving me things. Like I I went to a Mar- Marianne Wilmanson lecture and, you know, this woman uh, got up and was asking for volunteers and and looking for people to help with a uh, – in fact, I've actually interviewed Jill on the show, Jill, who uh, – Uprising Yoga. It provides yoga to incarcerated youth and, you know, a lot of incarcerated youth – um, have been sex trafficked. And so, you know, so things just kept showing up like that, like more, more people would come to my classes or people would tell people like my hairdresser told, um, somebody who was a, um, sex abuse survivor and like she became a client and then, uh, they introduced me to somebody else. And, and like these things just kept happening, um, where, you know, I would meet somebody, and they would ask me what I would do. And I would say, I teach yoga. And then, um, somehow it would become a conversation and, and, um, and the next thing I knew, yeah, it just kept showing up over and over and over again. And then I, um, I think I avoided it to some degree. What was the, did, did you resist it? How? Yeah, I did. I it tried. I, um, I was like, I'm going to do yoga at offices. I created this whole thing, practical happiness yoga, um, yoga that was like for like, you know, busy executives. I worked in this like lawyer's office for a while. Um, I worked, uh, I did yoga with autism. Um, I, did uh yoga for seniors chair yoga um I, yeah i did a lot of things i um i created a lot of of stuff and segues and yeah i just i you know and i know and now i know more i understand more that like what i was avoiding was um uh, was you know my ultimate discovery uh that uh the key perpetuate perpetrator in my sexual abuse was my father. And I was, I was avoiding discovering that. Um, so, so like I would dig in a little and I would do like a lot of sexual healing work and I would hit a new level in my life. And, and then I would like start another project, (laughs) start another business or, um, I went back and forth in and out of film, film and television. I did, um, a lot of stuff where, yeah, like I would, you know, I would go and freelance for a while and then I would, uh, take kind of a sabbatical and I would go inward and I would spend, you know, two months like crying and, and processing and, and healing and discover some, some new layer, um, of stuff. And then I would go teach yoga for a while and then it would like, it would go back again. And then I'd be like, I can't do this. Like I, you know, and then I'd, I'd go back to, like a real, a real job kind of thing. Um, and yeah. And like rinse and repeat. And then finally, um, I think the last, I think one of the last industry jobs I had was working for this crazy internet company. And when that, um, fell apart, I think that's when I really started doing the yoga more, full time. I did that. Then it segued into yoga for fertility. Um, I had this clients that were trying to get pregnant and one of them did, and then it became like family yoga. Then I was doing family yoga for a while. I started teaching family yoga at the YMCA. Um, and that's how I ended up becoming a chaplain, which led me back again into this, like to be a healer, to be of service. Like I really, I dodged it. I dodged it from like 2000, seven till like 2000 
12. <laughs> 2000. Wow, yeah. That's a, and that's a, that's a pretty, it's a pretty common yeah. story. I mean, like the, you know, when the universe calls on us to, to do something, it's, 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 it's often difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's the Jonah story and, um, and even, um, and you, you can even see the story of Christ as, um, not, not, not the, not the diluted thing that you know the the modern Christianity gives us. But like, if you really think about it, like he, uh, you know, he he was not a fan of that of the thought of that cross, <laughs> and then he knew that that's that that, that that's who was going, and um, um, and and. And yeah, uh, well, and so, so, um, um, so I guess we're, yeah, we're going to take, we're a gonna break. take a break, but you know, but after yeah. the break, um, this is, yeah, it's, so maybe we can talk about the, 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 the embrace, you know, the, yeah. like when, when you actually settled into, um, that, that path. Sounds great. So, <laughs> uh, you are listening to Christiane Bella. I am your intimacy architect, and my uh, my unbuckling of me today is uh, is happening with Dr. Marcin Bella, who's interviewing me. This will be uh, part one of two episodes that will be starting off this new wonderful year of 2022, and we will be back in just a moment with the second half of this uh, Q and A here. Thanks for listening. Are you tired of having the same fight over and over again? Is it hard to remember a time when you felt close to each other? Before you call it quits, do you want to do something to rebuild that spark of intimacy? Of course you do. Ignite the passion like never before with Intimacy Architecture. Text 626-310-5159 to set up your relationship consultation. Again, text 626-310-5159. You are listening to Unbuckled with Christy Ann Bella. Reach out to Christy Ann with any questions or comments at intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. That's intimacyarchitect at gmail.com. Christy Ann welcomes your emails. Now, back to the show. Hello and welcome back. I am Christy Ann Bella, your intimacy architect, and we are unbuckling the story of me. It is an interview episode a two-part episode, actually, that we are doing with Dr. Marcin Bella, my partner, and he is interviewing me. And we were in the midst of a conversation about trying to uh, <laughs> dodge the the plans of your path and destiny, and uh, and ultimately embracing it. So. Yeah. So, um, so, so after <laughs> several years of um, of <laughs> looking for. For a career path that would not engage mm-hmm. your darkest place, um, how did it catch up to you? Uh-huh. Lolita. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. When, um, when I moved to Nashville and I went to uh, a party at a mutual friend's house and I met this woman, Lolita, who was a uh, sex educator. And she had been a big part of Sex Positive World and had um, Sex Positive San Diego, I think, uh, Los Angeles, all of that stuff. Um, So, yeah, so she had moved here to Nashville. 
and uh, we got to talking at a party and we got together and she's like, yeah, we're going to start a division of Sex Positive Nashville and, and why don't you come and be a part of it? And I was like, oh my God, like I am not qualified to do this. Like, like this is crazy. And, um, and, but I went, I went to the first meeting and then, so I was part of the initial uh, leadership team that created Sex Positive Nashville. And then, yeah, so that was kind of, it was just like not being, I think in the same um, state as my parents, I think uh, not, um, I was like living, you know, cause when I first moved out to Nashville, I was still living with family. So like, you know, at that point, like I, I had really had independence. Like I had, no, you know, I was, had nothing to do with my family really. Like we would visit every once in a while. I'd see, you know, my family that lived here, but um, I think having that separation, just like being, being comfortably distanced and, um, and really feeling that. I mean, I knew that when I moved to Nashville, I knew that one of the reasons why I was moving here was because of uh, wanting to bring more sexual awareness to some place that felt really repressed, some place where I thought, you know, um, and initially in my head it was burlesque, and I actually blew off that meeting. I was supposed to have a meeting with Freya West, who uh, was the founder of Delinquent Debutantes, which was like a huge burlesque thing. She started the Nashville uh, Burlesque Festival. Like she, you know, she was like the queen of Nashville burlesque, and I had a meeting with her, and I blew it off. And, um, and I just kind of did another limbo round where I, I worked at a place smelling dog food. I was like, I was doing oh, like man. dog food paddling. Um, <laughs> yeah. Talk about like trying to like avoid your path. Um, it paid really well though. I was making like $14 an hour to like smell dog food. Uh, and then, and I was, I was working with this autistic family. Um, so yeah, so I brought like more of that in. And then I think I was, uh, doing, um, a couple, I had a couple of one-on-one, uh, yoga clients here and there. I worked, I did yoga at like a Christian gym that eventually fired me. That was a turning point. They, um, they followed me on social media and they fired me after they saw a post I made about being uh, queer and polyamorous. And um, and uh, it's funny because I think a couple months later uh, they went out of business, which I think that's what you get for being assholes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was a moment of like this is bullshit, and like that's right, like that's why I came to this city. I came to this city to to bring awareness and conversation and communication and. Uh, and so, yeah, so then when Lita was like, do this thing, and then it just snowballed from there. It was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm teaching classes. I'm, I'm leading workshops. I'm assisting. I'm, I'm heading up organizations. I'm, I'm speaking at conferences. Um, yeah, more and more people were showing up, uh, wanting to have conversations about sex. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, so <okay. laughs> Yeah, so in a way, like, you know, um, <clears throat> so like, so so part of part of the decision to move to Nashville was was already that she knew that like there was a more mm-hmm. more repressed place, so yeah. so that kind of um, um, uh, more like pure mm-hmm. calling was 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 already um, was already behind it. Um, 
so now this is this is this you know this is where my um my personal curiosity comes into place you know so uh, uh, you know so a freedom fighter is a, is a fighter mm-hmm. like you um uh there's actually like a little bit of that that like low frequency it, embedded in it or like you have right. like like the, you know the, there's no there's no fighting without anger there's right. no um there's i don't think there's fighting without fear um uh that's you know that's that's i don't know maybe i my, maybe i am like in denial and dodging some kind of some kind of bullets but but you know but but my thing is always that that you know i don't go to protests you know mm-hmm. um um because because other people do and i don't feel personally needed right. you know um so what what does it what does it feel like when you know when there's this like big like systemic energetic block of 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 bullshit and like you and you you feel called to like be a voice um and you know and at that moment like you um you you kind of have to take take the elevator down to like these you know these lower lower frequencies um um what is you know what is um like how, how do you deal with it i i think i almost have a hard time not being in the lower frequencies like i'm i'm not necessarily an angry person now in the sense of like acting out in anger i definitely was um with my ex-husband i i screamed and yelled a lot i screamed and yelled a lot with my family like i had a lot of very surface ways in which my anger showed up. And then when I stopped um, what I would call like throwing firecrackers, when I stopped just throwing firecrackers, when I stopped just like kind of spitting out uh, venom and anger and, and, and going without approach, then um, I feel like I started to use that more to, to go into the trenches with people and, and like get our way out. So, you know, so some of it was my own practice of like going in and, um, and kind of getting lost a little bit and, and enjoying to some degree, like being in the muck and doing like really heavy, deep shadow work. Um, that's like, you know, very fear and, 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 and anger and, and screaming and like breaking stuff. And, um, and feeling like I was like transmuting and, and clearing things that were beyond just my own that were like, you know, on a ancestral level, on a, on a cosmic societal level. Um, and then, yeah, guiding people through like really, really messy stuff. Cause I, I personally don't, I'm, I'm not someone who goes out and protests either. I feel like I want to use that energy to take action towards the things I want, not necessarily to um, express my anger about what I don't want. Um, 
And it's there. I mean, it's, you know, I do like, you know, like I do not want to see women's abortion rights taken away, but, you know, I've spent my time researching what are like the herbs and things that you would need in order to facilitate your own abortion. And I have those stockpiled, (laughs) Um, you know, like these are, so I think we all have a a different way that we decide what are we going to do with that anger. Um, and so, yeah, so I think my my biggest thing is to have to watch out of not staying there, like, in the muck under the bridge because it is so familiar and because I do know it so well and because I'm not alarmed by it the way some people have, like, an aversion to, to doing shadow work. I'm like, yes, like um, – you know, like, yes, cry, like cry, sob, like, you know, feel, feel that wretchedness and like, you know, and then, uh, but you, <laughs> you can't stay there and, and, and like, you need to come out the other side. And so that's where I feel like the, the last few years have been about the practice of living in the light and not living in the, the muck and the anger and the fear and the shadow as a way to, um, to dismantle it. Cause like, sure, I can, I can, and I have, but I would rather um, be in a state where I'm I'm really living in in peace and in light, and I know I can go and help people um, excavate their their darkness and their fears without uh, staying there. Um, and without, I used to feel that if I didn't show people uh, the like deepest darkest part of the shadow, I was somehow doing them a disservice that I was like only, you know, being like, oh, but you can find the light and the healing and the love. Um, that is like, you needed to know how deep and gross and scary your, your shadow could be in order to appreciate that. And I don't know that I believe that anymore. And I don't know that that's necessary. I think there is definitely a degree of doing work with your, your anger and your demons and your, your shadow selves. Um, but I don't know that it's the only thing that we, we need to do. And I think the, the actual, like the more light and, and airy and lovey, um, that's actually the harder work. I think, I think the harder work is to stay in this place of like, I am a divine being of love that is worthy. And, and um, enchanted and magical and and special and important and valuable. That's actually the harder place to be in. Um, And then as far as, um, so back, back to the healer work a little bit, um, I kind of see the, the, the two, um, two main areas of your work being women who are hurt Mm -hmm. and that that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and i say men who live in shame Mm -hmm. so how how does that come about and like where, where do you think the origins of it are and um, are these two related? Yeah, I mean, I think they're definitely related because because men live in shame, they hurt women, and because women 
are hurt and afraid of men, they shame men. And it's this perpetuating cycle of, of, you know, feeling ashamed and small and wanting to show that you are powerful and, and crushing, you know, and then, and then somebody feeling the wrath of that, that distorted power and, and that crushing spirit, um, and, and wanting to try to get their power back. And so they, they try to like cut, you know, the, the, is that the the tiny cuts with a thousand swords or something? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, and I think the the origin of it is yeah, I mean, you know, I had a father who had a, a great deal of shame and tried to overcompensate for it by being really loud and boisterous and big and uh, but yeah, he harbored a lot of shame about um, not only like his actions but his own questioning of his sexuality, his own. Um, like repressed, kinky, queer, curious side of himself. Uh, his yeah, you know, uh, his own flux of gender identity, and um, and so yeah, so he was very much taught to uh, to shame and hate himself, and he, I think, tried to overcompensate for that by by being a very big presence, and then. Um, and then shamed my choices, uh, my sexual choices and my, my attempts to be, um, to live without shame. You know, it, it, um, yeah, I think it, it, it pissed him off in this way of, of like, I was doing something he didn't, he didn't ever give himself permission yeah. to do. And he was yeah. like, he was pissed. Um, and I think he was also pissed that perhaps he, you know, felt uh, guilt and shame about having planted that seed, having like, you know, of having um, having touched upon that like sexual energy. And like, would it, you know, would, it, you know, kind of like this Frankenstein, like I've created a monster. Um, so, yeah, so I think I, I saw that I saw because I saw at such a young age, like the deepest darkest place of somebody's sexual pain and shame and distortion i am capable of holding a space for people to feel loved and accepted because it's like i've yet to find someone who's like shit is as fucked up as the shit i saw <laughs> like you know like i think men show up here with shame because they're like oh i think i'm gay or I might be bi or I want this thing in my butt and, or I want, um, I want to do this, this other kinky fetishy, um, thing. I have this fantasy. I've watched this porn. I jerk off all the time. Like, like whatever it is, like, you know, they, they show up feeling like, Oh God, there's something wrong with me and I'm disgusting and no, no one will ever love me. Um, if they knew this about me and, and they get in my presence and they feel the sense of love and acceptance and, and it just like blows their minds. Um, so yeah, it's, and then for women, I think it's, it's a similar thing. Like I've known a great deal of hurt and I've processed through so much of it to be able to stand in a space, um, where I, I really feel like I'm like, I feel like I'm like in 90 percent there through like having really healed like my hatred towards men like I feel like there's like very very 
little fragmented residue left somewhere in some crevice, probably of still having a little bit of a distaste for masculine energy, but like on the whole, like the greater majority of me feels like a, a, a love and a peace and a, a wovenness with my masculine energy, with with masculinity in men in general. So I think that's helped in my healing my feminine and, and being able to hold a space um, in this, this like divine womanly presence of, of owning my goddess energy of being. Um, and then, you know, now I think even more so being like beyond any sort of like male or female energy and just really being in this space of understanding like the energy of like the container and the flow and that flux of things in between and, um, and how to help people to, to be in that, that, space of, of trusting of like, okay, this is what I'm, I'm going to give in. This is what I'm going to let out. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting to see how, how, yeah, how much of an impact that. Uh, so as far as the healing work with men, um, would you say that it's like begin in your romantic life and then kind of mm. like at some point you started mm-hmm. seeing how like, no, this is, this is, this is, this is doctor work. This right. is, you know, this is a service and how, 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 how they just start separating. Um, <sighs> it's tricky because I think, you know, and I'm discovering this more and more and, and uh, the more researchers and the more, um, more modern therapists, you know, are, are redefining what we see as like codependency and and stuff. And and this idea of like, we do great work in relationship. There is a certain degree in which like you do kind of need to be in a relationship to actually practice these things, you know? Um, And so, so yeah. So in the beginning, I all, everything I did was, was in relationship. It was with guys I dated. It was with guys I cheated on people with. It was, um, it was, yeah, I would, you know, I definitely sought out even partners where I was like, Oh, I can fix this. Like, let me, you know, let me practice on you. Yeah. Like projects. projects. Um, I, I had a thing for a while where I I loved taking, uh, like being somebody's first and like the idea of like, Oh, I'm going to like help you. Like I'm going to, help you, uh, you know, have this first good sexual experience. And then you'll like know things and you'll, you'll go in and you'll, you know, you'll go forward and have other better sexual experiences passing on this wisdom. Um, so it's only really been in the last, I say, since you, you came along, you were kind of like, you came along in my life at that turning point where I was like, Oh, I'm not going to date people who are clients. Like there's like, you know, so I remember having a conversation with you where it's like, okay, well you, you and I could like play around and do this like foot fetish thing. Like, or, you know, but I don't like usually like sleep with people that I, I have that relationship. Someone's mm-hmm. either like a, a, a and then our yeah. first connection was, was, was not kinky. Right. Like we, 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 we connected romantically and then, and then you kind of like threw it in as a as a <laughs> as a bonus, but it was you know it was like you still did it though it was still mm-hmm. I mean like you know like I I um I mean I before you I had Shane mm-hmm. uh, and now I really don't you know? so, so like I I, 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 yeah. I witnessed um um 
that that working but it's uh but it's there is you know even me back then and i just feel like you know on on behalf of my fellow modern western men i i, I feel this pushback like this like like it's like it like it shouldn't be a service like it shouldn't be or like a treatment plan like like mm-hmm. how like like what are your current ideas on how to like talk to talk <laughs> talk because you know because like the the, the what what I, I think what what the previous version of me and what mm-hmm. most of the guys want is that like somehow a romantic partner will will fix it mm-hmm. um and I just think that's kind of shitty and unfair. Know, you know, know like, know. like yeah, you know, if you you need your teeth cleaned, you go to a dentist. <laughs> right, you know, right, like right, you right, right. So you like, go, are, you yeah. Know, like, so so how, how are you refining? You know, like so, so how are you like refining your your vocabulary around you know around just you know educating that portion of the public? Because mm-hmm. I I know that like you. You, you you have people who are like kind of kind of talking to you and they're just like not ready to even fucking express mm-hmm. what it is that that a they want and b they think is wrong. Yeah, I think you know the the shame around sex makes us believe that we shouldn't have to pay for things related to sex, um, and that paying for things related to sex is is actually wrong and bad and. Uh, and the reality is that that sex is a vital part of your health and your well-being. And if you had somebody that you could help or that could help you like to to clear away the the baggage and the stress and the shame and the things that are hindering you um, and teach you how to actually use the sexual tools that you have and, and refine them, um, that your overall life would be better. So, you know, I think it's giving yourself permission to ask for help in that way, um, the way you would ask for help with anything else, with car maintenance, with, with, you know, home repairs, with, uh, with other self-care needs for that you'd see like doctors or eye doctors or dentists or whatever it is, uh, a massage therapist, uh, um, you know, that these are part of our fundamental, uh, overall well-being is to be sexually healthy. So, and that wraps up our first of uh, this two-part episode of this uh, wonderful interview unbuckling me, Christy Ann Bella, your intimacy architect. Uh, my wonderful facilitator has been Dr. Marcine Bella. Thank you, darling. And thank you for having me. Um, so this has been a great conversation. I can't wait to see what part two brings. And it felt really good to just uh, surrender and be in the flow. So oh, thank yeah. you for that. And thank you all for listening. I am so excited to be launching here in 2022 the new website with the interface um, that will have the whole Mighty Networks so we can connect as a community. You can talk, you can share. Um, So definitely be on the lookout for that. You can go right now to intimacyarchitect.com and begin by signing up, giving us uh, your email so we can keep you in the loop of all the fun, amazing things that are happening with Intimacy Architecture. Once again, I am Christiane Bella. Thank you so much for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Unbuckled. You can join Christiane Bella for another program with amazing guests, stories, and advice every week on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to check out our new show coming soon. 